Today on CityCast Salt Lake, the governor's office has spent the past year working on an energy plan for the state of Utah. We finally got it in hand, and it's certainly vague. Alex Veyu, a policy associate with the Healthy Environmental Alliance of Utah, a.k.a. HEAL, is here to break down the roses and thorns of this report and what it forecasts for climate action in our state. It's Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Alex Bayou, welcome back to CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, Ali. Thanks for being here. It's good to have you back. Yeah, yeah, good to see you again. So we're here to talk about the governor's energy plan. My first question for you, please don't be offended by it. Why is this not boring? <laughs> Why is it not boring? That, that's, a, that's a good question. And, you know, I'm sure some listeners here are kind of like, what do you mean the governor's energy plan? I don't want to be hearing about this. But um, yeah. there, you know, it's it's not boring because there are some pretty exciting things in 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 the package here. And it's basically the governor is, is setting his priorities for the Office of Energy Development and just for the entire state with this program. Um, you know, we're over at here. We're we're, we're pretty excited about a couple different things in in this uh, in the plan. Uh, we're definitely disappointed with other things as well, but. Um, you know, it's really good to to kind of see how strong they're coming out. They're using the words climate change. They're, they're prioritizing renewables. They're prioritizing electric vehicles, battery storage. There's a lot of really good stuff in this plan. Wait, is this the first time that the governor's office is talking about climate change at this level? So, um, you know, I, I don't know about the first time, but it's it's a it's a shift. You know, I've, I've spent a good amount of time up at the Capitol and, and, and for the longest time you had to kind of code switch and, and not say things like climate change mm. and use different words for the environment or, or making people care about it. It's a bit, but to see a, a plan coming out from the governor's office that explicitly states that climate change is something that we should be worried about and we should be taking concrete steps to remedy that is is great and it's good to see but um you know we we kind of want to see some more details and and some more um extensive planning and and we we would like to see some of the the more climate focused energy plans to be more centralized to his plan instead of just like a small piece of an any of the above approach is what they're always always calling it yeah because i mean one of the things when i read the plan that stood out to me is that it's just incredibly vague like they lay out sort of these core commitments. And then I scrolled down thinking that then there would be sort of like bullet points specifying what those commitments mean. And I didn't find them. Like I I was like, OK, um, but let's talk roses before we talk thorns. So what are some things, some specific things in this plan that you think are exciting statewide and for Salt Lakers? There are a few specifics that we're excited about. Um, there was a program in 2008, it was Senate Bill 202, which set, um, basically it, it made it that uh, utilities had to adopt 20% of their pro portfolio mix to renewables by 2025. And they're talking about how they want to update that specific program. So it's good to see specifics like that, but you are correct. I mean, so much of this is just kind of vague platitudes that you can talk the talk, but we want to see them walk to walk. And we want to see the actual specifics of how they're going to act on some of these things. And 
um, you know, we want them acting on the right things as well. Um, it's, it's, it's very broad and vague, like you said, and, um, uh, we need to, we know that scientists are stressing that we need to cut our emissions by 80% by 2030 and entirely by 2035, if we're going to avoid the worst effects of climate change. So, um, we really would like to see the renewable packages to be more central and detailed in his plan. And what do you mean by renewable packages? Like, what does that mean exactly? Certain things like electric vehicles or, or, or solar or wind. Um, you know, we, we really would like to see that as the central tenets of the plan, um, as opposed to things like oil and gas and, and coal and you know, there, there, there's certain elements, again, like you're saying, it's it's fairly vague. And there's there's things like, there's a program um, that is mentioned that is coal community support and diversification. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, yes. This is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And that, that kind of seems like they're talking about just transition, but not using the terms just transition. As, as advocates, we really need to hold both the state and industry at the most stringent standards, because right now we're working on a part of the Clean Air Act called the Regional Haze Rule for Hunter and Huntington coal-fired power plants, the, the biggest coal power plants in the state of Utah. And we can't even get the bare minimum of those plants. We can't get them to put just pollution controls on there, not even for, for, for carbon or greenhouse gas emissions. We can't even get them to put pollution controls on there to stop them from polluting the air sheds around our national parks. And we've been pushing and pushing and pushing in that. It's been a 20 year fight now. There's been advocates working on this for so long. And, you know, we, we need specifics of, we need to be shutting these coal plants down. I mean, it, we need to be taking climate change seriously. Um, it's affecting Utahns now and we, we need to do something about it. I'm trying to figure out, like often when we look at these kinds of policy documents, if you read between the lines, you can kind of picture a room full of people. I almost think about like it's a scene in Veep where everyone's trying to think about how to say something and say nothing at the exact same time. And I think a line like coal community support and diversification, like it's a little bit triggering for me, I guess, as someone who used to work in politics where it's like, this is a, this is a great sentence that says something and nothing at the same time. And so does as a policy person like does this report give you hope do you feel like this is providing guidance to do something or do you think this is providing guidance to sort of continue wavering i'm hopeful i mean i, I kind of have to be in my position i i am hopeful certainly and um you know like i said it, it's good to see a lot of this language we're excited about some of this language and, and the focus on some of um this energy plan but you know, I'm I'm also very disappointed, and um, I'm hopeful, and you know that's my job to work on these things and and, and work on the, the pieces that we're disappointed with. Like you said, it's very vague. Um, you know, there's some glaring omissions. There's nothing about the methane leaks in the in the Uinta Basin, which is a huge part of how energy functions out here and needs to be taken care of. You know, methane is an 84 times as powerful greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. And uh, a recent study this past fall um, showed that we are leaking methane in the Uinta Basin at a rate that is, I, I, I don't know if it's the highest in the US, but it is ex extremely, extremely high. It's at a 7% rate. Um, when you do all the math on this, 
Um, so everyone kind of says how natural gas is this really clean technology. Like it's, it's great, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a clean, clean fuel. But when you do the math on it with the methane leaks and, and when you kind of, when you crunch all the numbers, natural gas production in the Uinta Basin is just as bad as coal burning as far as greenhouse gas emissions. So there's something that needs to be done there. Um, and it was pretty disappointing to not see that in the plan. Um, you know, the plan talks a lot about uh, energy ind independence, like American energy independence. There's a lot of talk about that going on right now with the Ukraine conflict and everything like that. And obviously you see the gas prices at the pump. But, you know, instead of drilling more for domestic supply, if you cap some of that 7% leakage and you kind of, you, you just, you brought that down by like 2 or 3%, we would see a lot more uh, energy security here. I mean, um, you know, I'm not for increasing oil and gas production. Obviously, when you have that conversation too, like one of those big commitments that they're talking about in the energy plan is America's energy independence. And then they just immediately go into oil and gas. But if you really think about true energy independence, if we were to develop a freestanding renewable way to come up with our energy through solar and, and energy storage programs and wind, um, we wouldn't have to worry about that volatility of the market and, and, and international conflicts like Ukraine and Russia. So I agree that we need to come up with something that addresses this volatility, but I don't think it's expanding on oil and gas production. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at slclivingtrad. You spent a lot of time up at the Hill during the legislative sessions. Recently, the legislature rolled back a lot of the incentives for solar panels and solar. And that just feels not in step with, you know, the governor sitting down and writing an energy plan. And we know that some of the most powerful people in our state, sure, the governor is one, but Senate president, Speaker of the House, those are the folks that make a lot of day-to-day -day decisions, and they have quite a bit of power as well. Do you foresee the legislature's decision-making being in step with some of this plan? Like, do you think we're going to hear Brad Wilson say climate change? Or is this Governor Cox moving a little bit further away from his party? One would hope. I mean, it's it's kind of like a... Um, you would hope this would start to influence those folks up there. And for me, it's it's more of, as someone who spends a lot of time up at the state legislature, I, I'm looking forward to using some of the language as a tool and just kind of, and, 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 and using that argument in my lobbying as, well, the governor has set 
this priority. And at the end of the day, he has that veto power when it comes, I mean, to the system of checks and balances. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a legislative tool. It's something that I can use up there and, and use some of the language in it. Unfortunately, there is some language that we're going to continue oil and gas production and coal production. Like I've been saying over and over, um, there's some exciting things that hopefully we'll see the renewable um, revolution kind of take hold here in Utah. You know, we have, we're number 10 in solar potential in the entire nation. I'm hopeful. Um, but, you know, we've seen how Governor Cox has kind of differentiated himself away from the state legislature and things like HP 11, the, the, the transgender sports bill and stuff. So I think it's a, hopefully it's a mix of both. And hopefully by him leading, um, they will follow. We'll see. Stay tuned. Do you have any predictions related to some of the guidance in this report for things that you're optimistic about? Like, are we going to see more charging stations around our city and state? Like, yeah. what do you sort of predict? I won't hold you to it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of talk about the charging stations, certainly. And, and we'll, we'll definitely see that. There's, there's a big initiative to, to um, provide more charging stations for rural communities. As far as specifics you know I, i'll just kind of echo what i've been saying that um it's it's the strongest i've seen the governor's office talk about both climate change and clean energy well what do you think the next steps are i mean how do we get there from this report like do we run with this to local legislators do we yeah do we, where do we go from here the way I see running with it is, again, uh, using it as a tool with our locals and with our state level reps. Um, another thing that's going on, um, you know, everybody kind of thinks of the legislative session as just this, this this quick and dirty 45 day thing during January and February. But there's uh, the interim session, which um, the first one is this week. Um, so on Tuesday, Wednesdays, halfway through the month, um, every month except for July, they take July off. Um, there's two days interim sessions. There's tons of renewable energy stuff that are on a bunch of um, the agendas. So definitely um, stay tuned with HEAL. Um, we'll be putting out action alerts. Um, it'll be great to be using the governor's guidance in those certain areas to leverage some of these projects. But um, again, I, I'd be remiss to not express my disappointment with a lot of the plan that has come out. Yeah. All right. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time and doing? for breaking this down with me and for the work you all are doing at Heal. We'll see you on the hill. Yeah, always happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Ellie. <laughs> A little news before we go. Like Alex said, today is the first day of the interim legislative session. During interim, legislators meet twice weekly up on the Hill. It does feel like it was just yesterday we were covering, bemoaning, and occasionally applauding bills passed during the 45-day legislative session from January to March, which is why it also feels like the interim session is a dragging on of the general session. But in fact, interim is legislators laying the groundwork for the next general session, January 2023. During interim, committees meet to discuss potential bills for next year and form study sessions. Legislators also hear from experts and public testimony. It's all about prioritizing legislation for next year. 
The best time to get vocal, of course, is early in this process. And if you want to get involved with Alex and the team at Heal, they are holding a community advocacy circle tonight from 530 to 7 at their office, 824 South 4th West in Salt Lake. The goal is to get us connected and organized during the interim session. Related to our energy future, University of Utah President Taylor Randall says the school is still looking at divesting from oil and gas stock holdings, but it will be at least another year before we see that action. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. In the newsletter this morning, Madeline has a really fantastic roundup of resources for all of us to prepare to look out for ourselves and each other this fire season. It includes a how to sign up for alerts and how to mitigate risk in our backyards. You can subscribe to our short daily CityCast Salt Lake newsletter at saltlake.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Thank you.